Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's going on, Queen City? You guys are amazing. Grab a seat this morning. Hey, we're going to jump right in. Thanks so much for uh, letting us have a little bit of your time. Those are coming out. Hey, I think your church is amazing. I just want to say that right up front. You ought to know where I stand. I think Queen City is an incredible church. And uh, I think this building, this room is incredible. I looked at five venues in the last week. We're on the hunt for a great uh, location for us to hold church. And I would love a Withrow High School. I'm just going to say it. It looks great. And uh, your team has done such an incredible job, and I think what you guys are a part of is extremely special, extremely significant. Um, I get around, I'm kind of a church head, so I get around a little bit and see a lot of different churches. I just want to say, what's happening here is not normal. You need to know that. 43 weeks in, and you guys are clearly undefeated. This worship team was amazing this morning. Come on, put your hands together. Thank the worship team for being so outstanding. Just the leadership of your team and your pastors make this place incredible. And um, I just want to just shout out your pastors for a second, Pastors Brian and Heather. I think that they are the best of the best, such amazing people. And, uh, and like Brian said, we've gotten to know each other for a number of years. And I've been watching just the story of Queen City unfold long before they even had a name for this church. And uh, watching his journey and just seeing the grace that's on their life. They're amazing people. And they're humble. They're gifted. They're authentic and they are extremely sharp. And you can just see that walking around a place like this. And so, come on, thank God for your pastors this morning. We love you guys. We're grateful for you. Hey, uh, if it's cool, I just want to in- introduce you to my family. They're not all here, but I think we brought a photo. So I would love to just show you my family and show off how, God, how good God has been to us. My beautiful wife, Becca, is sitting here right on the front row. Babe, why don't you stand this service and wave to everybody. Come on, put your hands together for my wife. Clearly God's greatest gift to me, and uh, yesterday we celebrated 17 years of being married. No, we did not get married when we were 15. Somebody literally commented on our po- my post last night, it was like, were you 12 when you got married? I was like, no, it was Oklahoma, it was all fine. Um, <laughs> But anyways, I love her so much, and uh, these are our four kids that we've had uh, during the course of those 17 years. My oldest, just to my right, my oldest daughter, Nora, she's 14 years old, so we are in teenage mode, and uh, she's an incredible just leader. She's creative, such a huge help to our family. Right next to her in the jean shirt is my son, Liam. He's 12 years old, the best dancer that I know, hands down. This kid will not dance on command, but if you got a group of people, 100 people, put him in a circle, he's going straight to the middle, and he's going to turn up. And then all the way on the far right is my daughter, Lola. She's eight years old. She's already claimed our second campus. We haven't even launched a church, but she's like, Dad, I'm going to take the second campus. Like she's faith-filled, and uh, we let her do a little, a little two-minute encouragement for our team two weeks ago, and she crushed it. People just lost their mind. She's amazing. She wants to preach. She's practicing, and so it's incredible. And then all the way here on the far left, this is my five-year-old son, Judah Michael, and we call him our fourth and our final. And he is absolutely amazing. He got his first stitches just a few weeks ago, and so in his book, he's a man now. So anyways, <laughs> well, God's been so good to us. Has he been good to you? Yeah. 
I'm glad you recognize that. Hey, we're going to have so much fun today. I'm excited to get to preach and, and, uh, and just share a little bit. Um, like Brian said, we have, uh, we've been in Los Angeles for the last couple of years helping build a brand new church that started just a little less than four years ago called Zoe Church with pastors Chad and Julia Veach, who we think are just the best of the best. Absolutely amazing. We were so uh, grateful to have had an opportunity to be in that church and under their leadership. And we were just building church in Los Angeles and uh, seeing amazing things happen. And it was this week, last year, that Becca and I sat down with our pastors and we began to share what we felt like God was speaking to us. We felt like some things had shifted and we were, uh, like our path was changing and we thought, man, we, we're making sense of this thing, what's God asking? And we knew that he had put the desire, the dream to plant a brand new life-giving church in our heart. So just literally a year ago, as couple days, we had a chance. We sat with our pastors, talked about what that would look like. It was so amazing to us and just said, man, we see this and we're going to send you and we're behind it. And so we've been in Denver for seven months. We're already building a great team of people. We're seeing God do amazing stuff in that city already. We're launching September 15th. It's 10 weeks away. And so this thing is... That's well, basically tomorrow. It's basically here. Ten weeks is like nothing when you're starting something like this. And so we've got a lot of work to do, but we're having the best time. And we're just committed like you guys. We're committed to loving our city. Given, we say it this way. We say our city gets our best. And so we're just making a, a point to get in and engage our city and create a place for people to have a relationship with God and grow in their walk with God. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting, though, as we, as we moved to Denver, like I said, about seven months ago. Just the initial sort of reaction that I picked up on, just the initial outlook towards church planting and, uh, and the attitude, the mindset towards it was, I'll just say it was interesting. You know, I had the first, in the first maybe four or six weeks that I was there, I had a few meetings and I'll, I'll be honest, I was kind of surprised, kind of shocked at just a little bit of, of the attitude towards church planting. Denver has kind of seemed, at least in the conversations I was having, is a pretty kind of a pretty difficult place to plant a church. And it was like, you know, a lot of people were just talking in such terms that made it sound like this isn't really a, a, a really strong option. You know, you need to know that in the last three years that I've seen it, you know, 19 out of 21 churches that were planted don't exist anymore. You know, and in the last decade, we've only seen, you know, like two churches ever break 200 people and on and on. And, and I remember sitting there listening to this and, and I thought, man, I, if I'm being honest, I thought, you all still remember like the God we serve, right? Like we know his heart is towards this city. His heart is towards these people. And I began to just pray two things. The first of which was, God, let the narrative change in this city towards church planting. Because we don't just need our church, right? Like we don't just need Seasons Church in Denver. We need a lot of churches. This is one of the fastest growing cities in our country, has been ever since the 1930s. And, and we know there's so many people moving into the city. And when they move, they don't often, oftentimes have community. That's helping support them in their walk with God. So we don't just need our church to re reach a wide range of people. We need a wide range of churches. So I said, God, let the narrative change for church planters in here. Let this start changing right now, not just because of us, but let us be a part of seeing that change. And the second thing that popped into my head was just these five words out of Numbers chapter 13. And it just was this. It was, for we are well able. 
for we are well able. In spite of what I'm hearing, in spite of some of these statistics that I'm hearing and some of them I know are real, I just go, God, I believe that we are able to do what you've called us to do. I'm going to preach to you today out of Numbers chapter 13. If you brought a Bible or you've got, you've got your iPhone with your, uh, with your digital Bible on it, you can turn to Numbers chapter 13. And I just want to read a passage out of this that has really helped us, shaped our journey. And my, my hope today is I tell you a little bit of our story and our mindset and what God's doing, that it helps inspire you and inform you in your journey. And so we're going to look at Numbers chapter 13, and I want to give you just a little context to what we're going to read today as, uh, as we turn to Numbers chapter 13. This is, a, this is a story where God has led through the leadership of Moses. He's brought the children of Israel out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They were held captive. They were in forced labor for 400 years. This is all that they've known. God sets them free through Moses, and now he's leading them. They're on a road trip all the way to a place that they refer to as the promised land. This was just a section of land that God had designated, reserved for them, given them over, I mean, hundreds of years earlier. So they're now en route. They're on their way to the promised land. And as they're getting close, Moses decides to do a little bit of recon. He sends out 12 men. He selects 12 men. And he sends them as spies to scout out the territory. Gives them a whole list of questions, all things you'd want to know if you were moving to a new city. You know, hey, is the food good? What's it like? Are there people living? in there? Are there cities? What's the soil like? Or is there vegetation? Tell us about it. Everybody's got all this anticipation for what's ahead in this land that God is calling them to. And so what we're going to look at is verse 26 and Numbers 13. This is when these 12 spies have been gone for 40 days. They come back, and this is, this is where we're going to pick up, verse 26. They came back to Moses and to Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly, and they showed them fruit from the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. So, so far, so good. So far, they're saying, you know what? It's just like you told us. It's a good land. There's great food there. This is going to be amazing. And then it takes a little bit of a turn right here in verse 28. It says, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. These were people that had gigantic physical structure. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So these first 10 guys stand up, and let's be honest, this is a pretty bad report. It's like, hey, the land's good. There's some great stuff there. But we got a problem. There's all these people, these warring armies and, and people of gigantic physical stature that are there, and we got a problem. But there were two out of this 12 that had a little bit of a different vantage point, a little bit of a different perspective. Their names were Caleb and Joshua. Look at verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, stood up and quieted everybody. And he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we are well able. But the men, the other 10 who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. If you go on to read in chapter 14, this sent the Israelite people into a frenzy. They started losing their minds. They're up all night just panicking, griping, wailing, and complaining. And it gets so bad, they actually get to a point where they say, you know what? It would have been better if we're just back in Egypt. God brought us out here to die. He's leaving us. There's nothing good that can come of this thing. Have you heard what's ahead? Have you heard about the people that are there? We should just go back to Egypt. We'd be better if we were just, step, just back in slavery. 
So there's a bad report that spreads like wildfire through the entire Israelite people, and they panic. And Joshua and Caleb stand up again to remind them, we know that God declared this for us. We know that God promised this for us. Let's go do this thing. Today, I just want to title my message, For We Are Well Able. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, not because I think that what I have to say is so amazing, but I just know that in settings like this, when we engage the living Word of God, that the Holy Spirit can speak right to you. He can speak to you about your situation. And so I think you ought to be ready to capture that. So if you've got a journal today, take some notes. If you've got the notes app on your phone, use that. But whatever you do, just be ready to capture what God would say to us today. Before we go any further, I just want to pray this morning. We're going to ask God to do what only He can do in these next few moments. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace, your goodness, your faithfulness to us. And Lord, today we just say we love you. We thank you for Queen City Church. God, we just ask that in these next few moments as we engage your word that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would help us to see Jesus more clearly. And Lord, may we understand your plans and your purposes for our life. And it's in Jesus' name everybody said, amen. Hey, I don't know about you, but I, I like a little bit of a challenge. Like, I'm into it. I, I don't mind being on a basketball court, and uh, if I get jostled a little bit early, I find out that it just gets me in the game, it gets me playing a little bit harder. A challenge sort of gets the best out of me. A challenge causes me to get fired up just a little bit. And uh, going into this year, like many of you at the start of 2019, I thought, I need to set some goals for this year. And I just decided that in, in a couple particular areas, I really, like, I've kind of done, you know, some things, set some goals, and I thought, I really want to stretch some stuff this year. It's a big year for us. We're playing at church. We got four kids. Our pets' heads are falling off. I'm kidding. It's just mild chaos in our house. <laughs> but the, the reality is I thought, I want to just stretch a little bit this year. I want to like, just, just see what I'm capable of. And in the particular area, I wanted to see how I could do, how I could raise the stakes in the area of eating. I've done diets probably like you have, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days would be about the longest, you know. And uh, it's been great. But I thought, is it like... I'm a huge, like, dessert fan, right? Like, treats, sweets, desserts, all of it. I'm into it. I can crush it with the best of them. I just thought, like, is it even possible to go a whole year without any of that? That means no red vines, no mint chocolate chip ice cream, no chocolate chip cookies, no cakes, no sweets, no treats, None of the good stuff. Is that even possible? I asked my wife at the end of December. I was like, babe, is this just stupid? I was like, I kind of want to do this. I just want to see. And so I decided, hey, it means that all of our kids' birthdays and all the holidays, which are usually where I derail and I just, just binge for like two weeks straight, it's a real problem. I just thought, you know, let's just see if I can do this. So I set a goal to go, hey, all of 2019 without any of this stuff. And can I tell you that as of today, I'm over six months through 2019, no sweets, not a bite, not a cheat weekend, not a cheat day. I feel really great about myself, so thank you for that. Um, We'll see how it goes. I'm just, I feel like I'm in the pocket, but who knows? But I like a challenge. I had to do something that was so extreme that it would help me. Help me stay, like, committed to this thing. I think a challenge is what I loved about CrossFit. And please don't judge me, because I know as soon as I said CrossFit, your eyes went to my legs, and you were like, bro, you are the worst spokesperson for CrossFit. So be sure to check out Orange Theory, which I'm now doing. So, But I love CrossFit. The challenge of the workouts was so intense. Like, I wouldn't even look at it before I showed up for the workout. I didn't even want to see it. It was so bad. It was like, the only way through it is to do it. So I'd just show up and see what's on there, let the coach yell at me, and it was like, great. But CrossFit got my best. I had an eight-month relationship with CrossFit, and I was in the best shape of my life. It was incredible. 
But I like a challenge. As long as I'm kind of in control of the challenge, as long as I get to choose the challenge that I take on. But what happens when you face a challenge in your life that you weren't expecting? What happens when you face a, a situation in your life that you would never choose? What happens then? So a couple summers ago, we were in Los Angeles and we were surfing, went out with a few friends. There were four of us and three surfboards. It's terrible math, but we were hoping for a fun day. So we decided to make the best of it. We get out and we've been surfing for a little bit. And uh, there's a guy that was kind of hosting us. And we had a couple of guys who were new to surfing. And so he was kind of showing us the ropes and we had been out for a while. And one of the things that happens when you're surfing and you're, you're swimming out and back is that your shoulders just get fried. You get really worn out and tired. And and so um, our host had been great. And I said, hey, why don't you take my board? And why don't you, you know, I was out in the water. I said, hey, why don't you surf a little bit? You know, why don't you get a little bit of fun? I'll just kind of float out here, tread water, figure I'd make my way back to shore after a little bit. And uh, I'd been out here for a little while watching the guys get some runs in. And I'm starting to get a little tired. So just thinking I'm, I'm kind of headed more towards the shoreline. When all of a sudden, one of the guys in our group points out, he's like, hey, is he talking to us? And I look to the shore, right where the water is hitting the sand, a lifeguard is standing there. He's come out of his tower. He's waving his red little flotation device buoy thing. And he's like, he's just gesturing like this. We're kind of like looking around like, is that for us or it's just our group right here. And he's waving us to the side. We're like, what is this? And all of a sudden it hits me. I realize I'm in a situation right now that I wasn't expecting, that I wasn't prepared for. I'm in a rip current. I'm actually further out than when I started. I'm no closer to shore. I've been treading water for like 10 or 15 minutes on top of already feeling tired. And I'm no closer to the shore right now. And instantly like this wave of panic just washes over me. I'm thinking, okay, everything right now is going to take my focus. And so he's waving to the side and, you know, you swim like parallel to the shore and all that. So instantly I'm just like, oh, okay. And I just start swimming, trying to get out of this current that's keeping me from getting back to the shore. It took me several minutes of swimming to get to one of the other guys that had a surfboard. We're both hanging on it. We're kicking. And it takes both of us swimming, both of our effort to get out of this thing to where we can eventually get some momentum and get back to the shore. But in that moment, I was in a challenge, a situation I was not expecting that I would never choose. And I was facing something like many of us have faced in life. Because all of us, regardless of your age, your background, the money in your bank account, your relationship with God, it doesn't matter. The thing you need to know is that life is full of challenge. And you're going to face challenges in your life. You've probably already faced challenges in your life that you would never choose and some that you weren't even expecting. But what do we do in these moments when we, we find ourselves in a situation like that? We find ourselves in a challenge, something that we're facing in our life. And the thing I want to leave with you with today is that every challenge comes with a choice. Every challenge comes with a choice. You're going to have a choice to make no matter what situation it is that you're facing. And I'm just going to clue you in this morning on what that challenge is. There's, there's, there's really two responses when you're faced with this choice. The first one is you can respond in faith or you can retreat in fear. These are really the two options when you're faced with a challenge in your life. Am I going to respond in faith or am I going to retreat in fear? And what we see in Numbers 13 is exactly this scenario happening. We see a group, 10 of these spies were retreating in fear. No, nope, the problem's too great. 
We can't overcome this. I know what God said. The land looks great. Oh, blah, blah, blah. This is not good. Let's just, let's just go back to where we came from, back to where we started, back to the thing that we left, where Caleb and Joshua, well, they respond in faith. They said, for we are well able. If God has called us to this, we can go and we can do it. And today, I just want to use this example, this story from the Bible, and I want to just share with you three thoughts that I think will help you today. Three thoughts that will help us all progress in our walk with God. So write down number one this morning. We are able because He is able. We are able because God is able. Do you know why Joshua and Caleb had the confidence to stand up in the face of everybody panicking, this bad report, and they said, no, 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 we can go do this. You know why they had that confidence? It's because they knew that they had God's power, they had God's provision, they had God's protection, they had God's promise, and it was because they knew that they could say, hey, we're able to go do this thing. Now, I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and if you've been around church at all, you've probably heard this verse, but I want to read it today from the Amplified Translation of the Bible, and just, I just like the way that it words it. So let's put this on the screen. We're going to read this together. It says, now to him, speaking about God, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly. I love that word because like in my house, it sounds like a word like my kids would say, right? Like if something's like extra incredible, they're like, dad, that was super double amazing. It's like, that's what, that's what they're saying here in the Bible. This is super abundantly. This is super double amazing. More than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to His power that is at work within us. It's His power that is at work within us. We are able because God is able. And Joshua and Caleb understood that they weren't the source of all this. They understood that they were, they were not the source of, of, of their confidence. And there's a big difference between, well, between bravado and between boldness. See, bravado, bravado is self-generated, right? Bravado says, I can do this because of who I am, because of what I have, because of what I've accomplished. Where on the other hand, boldness, well, boldness is spirit-generated. Boldness says, I can do this, I can face this, I can walk through this because of who God is, because of what He has, because of what He has accomplished. There's a huge difference that you have to understand. You can only go so far in life on bravado, but there's a difference between just talking it up and actually having the confidence that comes from understanding, I'm not the source of all this. Last summer, I got to take my family to Lake Arrowhead in California. We had some friends that had a house on the lake, and it came with a boat. And I'm not a huge boat guy, but I am a fun dad. So I was like, hey, we're going to get the family out on the boat. We're going to get on the lake. We're going to have a lot of fun today. So I got out there. I briefly looked at the instructions, just headed out to the boat, figured I'll get this sorted. Not can't be that hard. There's a key. There's a few switches. We'll be fine. We'll get this thing fired up. We'll be on the lake. I'll be a superhero. So I get out there, and I try and get this thing going. Nothing's happening. So I start kind of tinkering around, flipping some of the switches, looking at the gauges. I'm like, can't be that hard. There's not that many of them. At one point, I'm under the console looking at these wires and plugs and making sure that they were where I thought they should be, I guess. I don't know. I was freelancing at this point. Anyways, a quick YouTube uh, search helped me identify that next to the battery, there was this one switch, one switch that needed to be flipped that would connect that battery to the motor of the boat. And once I flipped that switch, that boat went from, I mean, kind of doing what a boat does, I guess. I mean, it was floating. It was on the water. It wasn't a lot of fun past that. 
But when I flipped that switch, it turned it into what it was designed to be. It was able to function the way that it was created to function, which meant that we were able to experience the way we were supposed to experience it. We got the kids, we got everybody. I was a hero. We had the best time out on the lake. But it was because we made the connection to the power source. And in your life, you're going to face things that you need to understand you're not fully equipped to face on your own. On your own merit, on your own resume, on your own strength, on your own ability. No, we need to understand that our strength, our power comes from God. That He's the one that enables us to walk through life and to face the challenges. Romans 8, chapter 11 says that the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you. That means as a Christ follower, somebody who says you've accepted the gift of God's grace in your life and you're allowing His Holy Spirit to help you become more like the person of Jesus, God's saying, I put my Spirit in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now dwelling, it's living, and it's enabling you to walk through. We are able because He is able. Now this is how good God is, all right? I just want you to know, He doesn't just call us to something and leave us high and dry. No, no, no. You have to understand with God, the assignment and the ability, they go hand in hand. What that means is that whatever God calls you to, He graces you for. Whatever He leads you to, He's going to give you the ability to walk it out. That means that when He asks you to do something, the answer is implied in the ask. Just by Him asking you to do something means that He's going to grace you and equip you to be able to do it. So when He sends the children of Israel into the Promised Land, it's already like, it's a, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to be able to go in, move in, settle here, because God has ordained it. That's how good He is. is he doesn't just leave us on our own, doesn't leave us to our own abilities. He's saying, no, it's my power that's working in you. Number two this morning, write this down. Focus on the promise, not the problem. If you're going to face challenges and be able to respond in faith, you've got to focus on the promise, not the problem. I would take this just a step further and say, we're not supposed to just focus on the promise. We should focus on the promiser. We should focus on what God has done for us through Jesus. We should focus on the promises that are in His Word that help us understand the way that life is supposed to be lived and His plan for us. Our eyes need to be on the promiser not on the problem. This was the difference between Caleb and Joshua and the other ten spies. They were focused on the problem. They could only see the challenges. They could only see the hurdle. They could only see the obstacles. But Joshua and Caleb were saying, no, we're focused on what God said and who He is. And because of that, they were able to respond in faith. You need to know your perspective matters. Your perspective matters. A couple nights ago, we were watching Fourth of July fireworks. We, we got to go to a, a friend's uh, apartment. They had a, a balcony on the 23rd floor of a high-rise building in downtown Denver. And we were up there with our family, and it's amazing. You just see for miles. We're watching dozens of different fireworks shows off in the distance. It was beautiful. It was an incredible situation. My five-year-old, Judah, he runs up to me, and he's like, Dad. He just comes up and he's like, Dad, lift me up. And I realized, well, from my vantage point, I can see it all. I got this great, incredible view, but from his, down here, all he can really see is the wall and the planters on the edge of the balcony. He can't experience what I'm getting to see. As soon as I lifted him up, got him to my vantage point, everything changed. He got this incredible perspective. Your perspective matters. Have you ever been in a, a challenge that actually changed the way you viewed yourself? The challenge was so great, you began to doubt like who you were, what you've done, your abilities. See, challenges have this ability to do that to us. It's, it's a bit like looking at a funhouse mirror. You know, it's like you look at it, it's like, yeah, that's, 
kind of me, but like my body's all weird. Like I'm, I'm short, I'm tall, like I'm really wavy. Like what's the deal? This is the way that challenges sometimes affect us is it changes the way that we perceive ourselves. Your perspective matters. I want to read a quote from David Guzik, who's a, just a, a theologian. He wrote a commentary on, on Numbers 13. I just love what he said about this passage. I just want to read it to you this morning. We're going to put it on the screen. It says, this is what he says. Unbelief often presents itself as being factual or practical or down-to-earth. Yet the most factual, practical, and down-to-earth thing we can do is trust the Word of the living God. Their unbelief, he's talking about the ten spies, their unbelief was not according to the facts, but despite the facts. Significantly, two men could see the exact same sights, the same grapes, the same men, the same land, the same cities. One could come away singing in faith, and the other is filled with a sense of certain doom. I love this, so get this part. Ultimately, faith or unbelief does not spring from circumstances or environment, but from our hearts which God must change. We need to allow God by His Holy Spirit to go to work on our hearts to change our perspective, to help us to see the things that we can't see on our own. I just think we ought to be people that carry the perspective of faith, that choose to put our eyes not on the problems, not on the obstacles. They may be real, but we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the promises of God and the promiser of who He is through Jesus. Number three this morning, write down, go all in. Go all in. I think if we're going to respond in faith, there's, a, there's something that has to happen when we just purpose in our heart, I'm going all in at this deal. I'm going for it. I'm not holding back. I'm not checking it down. I'm actually just going to go all in. I'm throwing everything I've got into the situation. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. God was speaking about Caleb. And I love what he said about the, the character of Caleb. God said, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land that he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. I love what he says here. There's something different about this guy, Caleb. There's a different spirit on him. The way he thinks, the way he's talking, there's something different about him. And he follows me wholeheartedly. Wholehearted just means it's characterized by complete sincerity and commitment. It's the people that throw their whole heart into this thing. I'm giving it all I got, everything I have, everything I, I am. You know, what's the worst? The worst is to be around somebody that's half-hearted, right? Wholehearted people, they're inspiring. It's magnetic to be around them. Your pastors are these kind of people stepping out in faith to create an environment and a setting like Queen City. And I just think we ought to be people that don't approach things half-hearted, like the server that really doesn't care to be helping your table that day, but to be people that say, you know what, I'm throwing everything I've got into this thing. I'm going all in to follow what God has called me to. I really believe that when we live a wholehearted life, it, it's like the fullest version of life that you could experience. The, the wholehearted life leads to wide open doors in your life. And your, your wholehearted living is basically on the basis of unchecked obedience. That's really what wholehearted means. It's to say, you know what, God, I'm following you. I'm obeying what you asked. I'm, ask, I'm, I'm doing what you've asked me to do. I'm following you wholeheartedly. There's no reservations attached to this. I'm not putting any qualifiers on this deal. I'm not hesitating and, and, and holding back. I'm saying, you know what, if this is what you call me to, then you must mean that I can do it, so I'm going after it. I'm going all in on this deal. 
I just want to say that your obedience, when you live wholehearted, it creates opportunity for other people around you. It could change the course of your family's life and history. It could change your career. It could change the direction of your marriage. When you say, you know what, God, I'm following your plans. I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do. I don't know what you're facing today. For us, you know, we're, we're working on planting a church. Maybe not your reality, but maybe you're facing a challenge, a scenario in your life that has you wondering like, man, do I have what it takes to do this? Can I even get through this, this season? Can I get through this stage of my life? Maybe something in your marriage, maybe something with one of your kids today. Might be an issue you're having in your job. It might be that God has asked you to do something and you know what, you're just like holding back and going, I'm not sure that I'm qualified. I don't know if I can step into what God has for me. I don't know if I'm able to do what he's asking me to do. I just want to read you one final verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. This is God speaking. He's saying, I got grace for your situation. And it doesn't matter where you feel weak today. It doesn't matter where you feel like, you know what, I'm coming up short. I don't have the ability. The, the reality is you probably don't to face it on your own. That's why it's so good to hear that God says, my grace is sufficient for you. It's more than enough for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. So wherever you're feeling weak today, just know that God's power could show up in that situation. For we are well able to step into what he's asked us to do. Do you believe it this morning? Come on, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for the example of your word. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that we've just seen today. From this, from this passage, God, thank you for your Holy Spirit speaking to us. Lord, help it to find a place deep down inside of our hearts that would change us from the inside out. Lord, we just commit ourselves to being people who will respond in faith, people who are going to focus our eyes on you and your promises for us, not the problems we see. Lord, we just commit to going all in today. It's in Jesus' name. And before we dismiss, we just ask for every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. I just recognize that there are people in the room today that you may be in here and you may say, you know what, I hear you talk about God, but I don't, I don't have a relationship with him. I don't have a connection to him and to his power. And what you're talking about is a little bit foreign to me because I don't even know where I stand with God today. I just want to say that the most important relationship that you can reconcile in your life is the relationship that you have with God. And you may be here today and you may say, you know what, I don't even know if I have a relationship. I don't know if I can say that. I'm not even sure if I'm right with God. Today, I just want to give you an opportunity to make the decision to accept God's grace and his forgiveness in your life and to make a decision to follow him from this day forward. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. And if that's you here today, we're not going to ask you to do anything crazy. We're not going to embarrass you. I just want to lead you in this prayer right there in your seat just quietly. You can just whisper something like this and tell the Lord your decision. Say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for making a way for me to be right with God. Today, I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. And in response, I choose to live my life for you. I believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for my freedom. Today I say you're the Lord of my life and I thank you for setting me free. Thank you for giving me the power to be able to live for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Church, let's celebrate with everybody. Let's put your hands together for everybody that made that decision. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com. 